0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
1: Good morning and welcome to Squawk Here are your headlines today. China June exports surge more than expected as global demand picks up while imports also top expectations. Asian equities trade in the green after another record-breaking session on Wall Street as earnings season kicks off with Goldman Sachs later on today. We hear from the CEO, David Solomon.
0: Elsewhere, you've got the EU agreeing to shelve plans for a digital services levy as the US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen joins the Eurogroup meetings in Brussels to continue her global minimum corporate tax campaign. In commodities, you've got lumber wiping out gains for the year as demand for the pandemic's best performer just ebbs a little bit. We've got crude uh, on the uptick today. Expectations of falling U.S. inventories outweighing fears that the Delta variant could derail a global recovery.
1: And it's a tale of two plans across the channel. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson says England will reopen next Monday, while French President Emmanuel Macron tightens Covid rules as both leaders warn of uncertainties,
0: we cannot simply revert instantly from Monday the nineteenth of July to life as it was before Covid. France if we do not act now, the number of cases will continue to rise sharply and will inevitably lead to hospitalisations on the rise from August.
1: to get a handle on out of china today as june export growth beat expectations thanks to a strong overseas demand story jumping 32.2 percent compared to a year before meanwhile when it comes to imports in the world's second largest economy they increased by 36.7 percent also ahead of expectations but well down on may's growth in excess of 50 percent and let's get out to sam balas for more to break this down sam we're still dealing with these extraordinary pandemic trends on the back of demand that we're witnessing as economies get back up to speed. What does that have to do with the data we're seeing today? Is there a correlation?
2: Good morning to you, Karen. Lovely to see you there. Well, I'll start with the exports because they certainly were the big surprise remaining resilient, particularly in the face of these challenges like these supply chain bottlenecks that we've actually seen in the manufacturing hub of Guangdong as China faces its own spike in cases. Uh, I think it's important to point out that the base effects are still keeping uh, the optics of this headline number certainly juiced up and relatively attractive. But as you rightly pointed out, this uh, really uh, is a story of these Chinese factories continuing to benefit uh, from the global situation Improving and particularly over in the U- US and also uh, in Europe, as we have seen these vaccine rollouts gaining speed, gaining momentum with uh, countries continuing to reopen. This is really just a further sign now of uh, goods uh, out of China and the demand for them remaining strong, particularly when it came to electronics. We saw that in the breakdown uh, of this data. And as I said, uh, this comes in the face uh, of some of these big headwinds for these exporters, including these uh, rising raw material costs, these. Uh, logistics and freight costs, but also, as I said, the supply chain bottlenecks in the south of China in Shenzhen. Uh, Those imports, as you said, also beat expectations. This was slightly lower uh, than May's reading, which was actually a decade high, but it's uh, still uh, relatively juiced up in terms of that headline number, and that is because uh, those higher commodity prices are certainly making those uh, imports more expensive. Uh, Domestic demand we know uh, has also been holding up well. We've seen that in the breakdown in terms of imports of coal, which actually hit their peak in June but also when it comes to things like soybeans which is of course good for the uh, phase one trade deal story speaking of that uh, that all brought the trade surplus to 51 and dollars widening from 45 and dollars in May and when it came to that U.S. trade balance that actually uh, widened slightly from May 32 and dollars of course that number is closely watched as those Trump era tariffs do remain in place and China uh, is still trying to make its end of the bargain when it comes to that phase Phase one trade deal. Uh, certainly, it is still lagging behind in its overall purchases under that agreement. But it wasn't all rosy. I think it's important to point out we got some comments from the uh, Chinese Customs Bureau as well saying that trade may actually slow year on year in the second half of the year uh, because of that high base that we saw last year in 2020. It also said that trade still faces uncertainties and also instabilities because of the global pandemic. And that certainly echoed some of the comments that we got uh, from the Commerce Ministry yesterday, which also highlighted some of these challenges, including supply chains and the politicisation of trade, of course, which we have seen uh, with the EU and also the US and Australia. But it also talked about uh, other challenges, including the fluctuation in the currency, the b uh, saying some companies are actually hesitant about uh, taking orders, uh, as well as uh, labour costs, saying it's expensive uh, to hire workers. So while we have seen, of course, the export numbers and the import numbers in June be Expectations. Uh, we're not uh, quite uh, out of the woods just yet. Guys, back to you in London.
0: Uh, Sam, absolutely fascinating data pouring over these numbers. And, and you've alluded to where I want to ask you a question this morning. The Trade surplus with the United States was up, as you, as you said, 10% year on year to 32 uh, I think it's $0.6 billion uh, in the latest figures in June. Now, I've just gone back uh, and had a look at the last three, four years. I'm on the U.S. Census.gov page as well. Uh, and that as a monthly figure is as high, if not higher, than pretty much anything we saw in the whole of 2019 uh, and certainly higher uh, than what we saw uh, in 2020 as well. So is the trade surplus China over U.S. and trade deficit China to the uh, to the uh, to to the chi- U.S. exporting to China? Is, is this going to become a political football as well? Because it just seems, despite the best efforts of the Trump administration and the best efforts of the Biden administration to date as well, that is a very sticky high trade surplus that China has with the United States. I just can't believe, given the current feral environment at times on both sides of the Pacific that this won't become a political football again.
2: Well, as I said, you know, China said yesterday that uh, the issue of this politicisation of trade is uh, a challenge for some of these uh, exporters and also uh, importers uh, over in China. But certainly, uh, you are right. I mean, we have seen uh, this uh, surplus, as I say, uh, widening in the month of June. As I said, this comes as those Trump-era tariffs do remain in place. It's not clear uh, if they will uh, be get get gotten rid of at all. Uh, this uh, phase one trade deal as China is still trying to meet its end of the bargain. But we do know, as I said, that China is uh, lagging behind in its overall purchases uh, under this agreement. You've got to remember this is a two-year agreement and it does uh, run out at the end of this year. And we've only just heard uh, in recent weeks uh, of the US and China uh, resuming talks. So uh, the big question uh, is uh, exactly uh, where this phase one trade deal uh, is at and whether those uh, Trump-era tariffs will indeed remain in place. As I say, that is uh, certainly the big question moving forward.
0: Yeah, uh, do you know, the website I'm on, Sam, is absolutely fascinating. I've gone back to 1985 now, and only then was it virtually in balance. Uh, since then, the deficit has just grown and grown and grown, or the surplus, depending on what size you're from. Uh, excellent. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for breaking down those numbers for us and uh, the, the key political contentions within them. Uh, let's stay with the uh, US-China story. Uh, shares in Didi closed sharply lower. After the company confirmed, Chinese authorities have ordered the ride hailing giant to be removed from local app stores. Now, Didi warned the move would likely have an adverse impact on its domestic Chinese revenue. Shares are trading more than 20 percent below uh, their IPO price of just two weeks ago. Beijing, of course, then launched a series of crackdowns on the company. Uh, The Biden administration has asked federal courts to dismiss the Justice Department challenges uh, to Trump era rulings, banning downloads of the Chinese video sharing app TikTok. That's after the president withdrew his predecessor's executive orders against several Chinese apps last month. Mr. Biden has ordered a 120 day review of the foreign apps, including TikTok Right. And the former TikTok CEO, uh, Kevin Mayer, uh, told our U.S. colleagues investors need to be aware of risk. Yes, they do.
2: There is a continuing sense of uncertainty and risk that is uh, that's clearly present uh, for investors, uh, including myself, that, those, that presents um, a higher bar for returns. So, uh, you know, I, I might very well invest in the Chinese company, but my expectations for what it could yield would be heightened. So I think that it just adds a risk factor.
0: Gosh, there there's a warning, ladies and gentlemen. You actually have to read your IPO listing documents. Actually, have to read the writs rather than just assuming your central bank, is, or the uh, the bankers and sponsors have done it all for you and tell you all the information. Right, uh, let's move on. Uh, Ten cent shares are higher after Chinese authorities signed off on a three point five billion dollar deal with search engine Sogu. Uh, Emily has all the details. Good morning, Emily.
3: We're seeing a big jump in China tech stocks with index heavyweight Tencent leading the charge, gains of more than 5% as China's antitrust regulator has unconditionally approved its $3.5 billion plan to take search engine Sogo private. The deal had been pending since September and was for Tencent to buy a 60% stake in Sogo that it didn't already own. This news comes as the same regulator earlier ordered Tencent music unit, TME, to give up its exclusive rights to music labels and was slapped with a 77th. fine for lapses in reporting acquisitions of Kuwo and Kugo. This means TME will no longer have to sell the two apps but will receive the maximum financial penalty. Other tech stocks also trading higher today with Meituan and Baba shares both gaining more than 4.5% each. This is helping the Hang Seng Index to be one of the day's outperformers in Asia. I'm Emily Tan in Hong Kong. Back to you.
1: It was another day of records on the street yesterday. We saw that a day earlier, but again, another hat-trick for the Dow. The S&P and NASDAQ are bouncing around these record levels. It's fascinating, isn't it? We're right on the uh, cusp of earnings season and investors are uh, finally found their way off the sidelines back into the market, trimming some of those short positions. And you can see, as a result, we've got a uh, triple-digit point bounce on the Dow, the 126-odd points. Big moving stocks, they were in uh, the banking space. Uh, these were some of the big names. Uh, Goldman Sachs having the most positive impact on the Dow. And don't forget, we've got uh, a number of those big earnings coming out from the banks uh, later on today. But also Tesla, and just worth taking a look at that as a, a key feature for the s&p the nasdaq a real driver for those major indices you can see a solid bounce 4.3 plus percent and uh, that's taken us uh, up right towards the end of the close yesterday the catalyst here well investors were looking at a software upgrade this is version nine that a lot of investors have been waiting for since about 2018. Those who had subscribed to a full a self-driving uh, capability finally got this upgrade. Of course, there are a few hurdles to using it in, in reality on the roads. But the uh, technology has been rolled out and some of it there now exists in uh, the software on these Tesla cars. That was a point for excitement uh, that a promise had been delivered from Elon Musk. And you could see the stock driving higher as a result. Treasury's. One of the big features of the market's away from earnings season is this inflation number coming out later on today. The market is expecting a 0.5% lift in the, the June CPI, indicating further pressure on prices. We've seen a slight lift on the yield away from the one and a quarter percent that uh, the 10-year yield hit last week to the downside. We've marched up to about 1.37, but well and truly off the one7 that we're trading at by the end of March. And you can see uh, this will be a big feature, I think, too, for earnings season as we look at the bank numbers and what this a narrowing yield curve is doing for the profitability of some of those numbers. And look at the dollar. We'd seen a little bit of appetite for the dollar index in recent trades, although some of that just unwinding this morning. You can see sterling has a foothold as it marches back towards the 139 mark, 118.62 on euro dollar. Uh, just to, to put into the equation here, you know, a lot of fund managers are still positive about the European recovery story, and that as we get uh, a better trajectory on the virus, that you may see uh, a better recovery on the stock markets here. So Euro, perhaps the one to watch at this stage, and you can see dollar uh, yet at this stage, 110.40. That is a slightly firmer position in the morning trade. But Steve, I think one of the big points for markets as they look at the inflation data again is just how transitory these numbers will be. There's a feeling you've seen a drop in some of the commodity prices already. So some of the heat is coming out in that area. Also perhaps in car rentals, but wages, that's one component where we're still seeing a little bit of heat given the amount of workers still remaining out of the workforce.
0: I think yes and no, Karen. I think – good morning to you, by the way. Uh, We've all been conditioned in market world, and certainly the the, the most conditioning has gone on in the bond market where, uh, like dutiful servants, they've all said, "Okay, we'll take you at your words. We've taken the yields down from 1.77 that they were uh, at some stage in the first quarter down to 1.25 at our lows, now 1.3 handle on the uh, 10-year. 1.37 was the last I saw. Uh, And dutifully, the market has agreed with the central bank that it is all transitory. But I think you've you've actually – raise the key point and how much of this is going to be longer lasting as well. And there are a load of people out there, very smart people, way smarter than me, uh, the Larry Summers of this world, who are raising questions. There is nothing wrong with asking the question whether it is just about transient uh, factors, whether it is just about base effects or whether we're seeing something a little bit more deep rooted uh, and creating foundations for longer term inflation ahead. So the market dutifully has gone up to record levels on a whole host of indices, whether it's the euro stocks, uh, whether it's the S&P, whether it's the Nasdaq, that whatever uh, and have taken the line fully now just saying that the market's taken a very binary approach it's okay we're fine it's all transient but what if it's not what if some of these factors are sticking what if there are structural changes that actually mean that we're going to have stickier inflation for a lot longer period that means we need more proaction from the central banks and I don't think the market is in any way shape at all ready if indeed the uh, banks have to be the central banks have to be a little bit more proactive but we, we, we've seen this constant uh, talking from the the, the central bankers and we're going to get two days of testimony from Mr Powell this week. We've got the ECB meeting this week to sign off on their 2% strategy where they're just going to let it run a little bit hotter as well to say don't worry it is transient. All I'm saying is maybe the market needs to be aware Uh, in a week where we're going to get a 60% increase in EPS uh, at least uh, from the u s corporate earnings increase year on year as well, maybe some of these factors are are actually a little bit stickier i mean I, I think it was you yesterday Karen who was talking about this this huge conundrum for Wall Street bankers and I have enormous pity for them of course uh, that they were potentially having to raise uh, base salaries for junior staff by twenty five thirty forty thousand dollars to in order to compete with other people on Wall Street as well it's a real conundrum for Goldman's and I do feel sorry for our friends down in uh, Fleet Street and elsewhere uh, over at Goldman's if they do have this problem about Raising salaries. So that is kind of sticky inflation. And it's not just the bankers, is it? It's hospitality. It's left, right, and centre that there are holdups and problems at, with um, getting staff back on board and getting them at the salary. So, I mean, when you see big, big companies raising salaries, that isn't transient. That is for good. You don't reverse those salaries at a later date.
1: That's right. It's one of the largest fixed costs for businesses. And as you point out, it could be a wave of momentum. Uh, The amount that we're talking about for some of the junior bankers, the increase, they're much larger than what we're talking about, say, for a company like McDonald's, where you've also seen some increases and whether those couple of dollars per hour extra for workers makes a difference or just makes it a little bit easier to pay the bills at this point. One of the other big factors for markets is where expectations sit as we begin earnings season. And expectations are running high, relatively speaking, but not high enough potentially and that's one of the issues. You've seen uh, this uh, view that perhaps we'll see earnings growth of 63, 66 odd percent. Some of the market saying it could even be hotter than that. Don't forget we have those incredible comparables to work against where effectively we had COVID shutdowns and activity went pretty much to nothing same time a year ago. Now we've gotten back and we've had all this acceleration and pandemic trends that have fueled some of the demand story. So we may actually have some very, very big profit numbers to contend with within coming weeks. The question is what lies ahead? And as we talk about the inflation side, I think investors very much want to know if there are fading pricing pressures and what that means for for profit margins from here. But it is going to be a a stunning start to the week as we take a look at bank earnings. And we'll get into that in just a a little bit as well. But in the meantime, we're going to have more insight on the recovery on the American economy later on today. When our colleague Steve Leesman speaks to the San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly, that is an exclusive interview coming away at 17.00. 15 CET. Ahead on the show, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen visits Brussels as she pushes more countries to sign up to the G20 corporate tax proposals. We'll have more on that next.
0: Yeah, plus for more on China's economy as well as the country's crackdown on its tech giants, check out the Box podcast. Welcome back. So as uh, pretty much a uh, forecast at the, uh, the, the G20, the EU has postponed plans to develop a digital sales tax as it looks to secure a wider global corporate tax deal. This after finance ministers from G20 countries backed a minimum rate of 15 percent over the weekend. However, the likes of Ireland, Hungary and Estonia have yet to sign up to the proposals. But speaking to CNBC at the TechEx conference in Singapore, the Estonian president hinted that the country could still support the measures.
2: Now, we need to see this technical debate about how this tax will exactly work to see whether our system needs to be adjusted or can continue as it is. We remember this also from the time when Estonia joined the European Union. Initially, it was thought that our tax system is not compatible. But later it was found
4: that it is totally compatible. So we flagged that currently, we, because we do not know the technicalities, we cannot yet sign. But when the technicalities become known, and
1: we can negotiate about these technicalities,
2: I am quite sure that we will find a way to prove to the world that our tax system actually will work with this uh, new uh, system globally as well. I'm very optimistic.
0: Well, let's get to Sylvia, who I think, Sylvia, you're in our London office. This comes as the EU suspended its digital tax initiative as the Secretary, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen pushed countries to sign up to the global deal in a visit to Brussels Monday. So you're in London and Yellen's in Brussels. What, what an interesting world we live in. So did you enjoy the Eurogroup one day? It's, it's quite an event, I hear.
4: Yeah, well, the shame is that uh, I'm no um, the, because of the travel restrictions, I haven't been able to go there. So I do miss the doorsteps. So I look forward to that. But indeed, Ellen was uh, in Brussels yesterday and she did indeed meet with some of the Eurozone finance ministers. But in fact, she had different meetings throughout the day. She also spoke with the ECB President Christine Lagarde and the European Commission the President. And essentially, we had seen over the last few days, different reports suggesting that the U.S. was making pressure on the EU because the Commission had this plan plan to put forward a new uh, proposal for uh, an EU-wide digital tax and the US administration had concerns that this proposal was going to derail progress at the global level for a corporate tax deal. And that was the message from uh, Janet Yellen in Brussels yesterday. And in fact, that pressure seemed to have paid off because the Commission did announce on Monday at around lunchtime that uh, it is indeed postponing that proposal for an EU the digital levy at least until the autumn and so then it can focus on these ongoing discussions at the global level having said that and we've heard just moments ago from the Estonian president there are divisions within the European Union and that will be a challenge over the coming months we know the case of Estonia but Hungary and Ireland that uh, have issues with uh, the global corporate tax deal as uh, it stands at the moment but nonetheless the Irish Finance Minister Pascal Donoghue, you did say yesterday at a press conference um, that Ireland will remain engaged in these discussions. Let's take a look. I do want to see agreement reached within the OECD. Uh, The challenges and issues that Ireland has in relation to this issue are, of course, well known. Uh, But what I equally want to emphasise is the commitment that I have to working very hard across the coming weeks and months to see if an agreement is possible. Because, um, uh, while the challenges of an agreement uh, are apparent at the moment, equally the challenges of an agreement not being in place are equally, um, are equally real. Context We also heard from uh, the Economics Commissioner, paul Gentiloni, speaking at the same press conference after the Eurogroup, saying that the Commission understands how challenging these discussions are for Ireland, but nonetheless, it is a top priority for the institution to get this global corporate tax deal over the line. Let's take a look. We fully respect the importance of the challenge uh, that for Ireland uh, this kind of issue represents. And we appreciate the engagement of the Irish government and of Pascal personally in, in his double hat, second hat of uh, or first hat of Minister of Finance of Ireland um, engagement in this uh, discussion. Um, what is clear is that for us it's a, a top priority. So there will be some tough discussions over the coming months. You need to bring all the 27 member states on board to approve that global corporate tax deal. Uh, But for the time being, Karen, the digital and EUI, the digital tax, uh, will not be discussed at least for over the coming, for at least a couple of months.
1: It makes sense uh, so much for that dual track process.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.